Now it is time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Hope Baker, the author of Finding Hope, A Birth Mother's Journey into the Light, her story of a successful open adoption. Hope is truly a passionate advocate for those on all sides of adoption, and she's here to share some of her experiences with us. Hope Baker, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us today. Thank you so much, Kate. I'm so excited to be here. You are just so inspiring and so amazing. We had a chance to do a little chatting before we got into this, like, real official conversation that we're having. And, uh, you know, you have done so much in your life uh, leading up to COVID and even during COVID that uh, it is just so amazing and inspiring. But actually, your book, uh, Finding Hope, came out Prior to all of this starting, um, it, it seems as though th- this time could be a time of writing books, but you have a blog going on, which we'll get into at some point as well. So uh, it's been a, your life has been so productive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. You know, Kate, it doesn't always feel like that, but I I try to be as productive as I can. And when I am definitely the type of person, when I when I put my mind to something, I make it happen. And the thing is, um, not that being productive is the be-all and end-all, but it's just that you've done so much already in your life that, you know, I'm just in awe. I have to take a deep breath like, okay, now, now let's, let's move forward. The, finding Hope. What a great title for a book, and of course, connected totally to your name, is is a subject that's really close to my heart uh, about adoption and, and parenting. Not that I have been adopted, but just knowing what the, or being aware of the whole situation around adoption, I, I feel so critical. And here you're telling us your personal story. Yeah, you know, I when I placed my son for adoption almost eight years ago, I couldn't find many resources. I couldn't find the support that I felt I needed to work through this challenging time. And as the years went on, I just decided I'm going to write my story and I'm going to share my story with the other birth mothers who are out in this world and adoptees and, you know, prospective adoptive parents or adoptive parents with, you know, the world to share what it's like to be a birth mom and, you know, how that experience goes and how you can come back from just being an extremely tragic and traumatic situation. Precisely. And I think that many women across the spectrum of ages can find themselves in that situation and just feel really lost, perhaps feel alone, don't know where to turn. And Yet, at a very young age, really, you were very young, 21, correct? I was, yes, yeah, 21. So I think of that as being very young to be making such really mature decisions, and yet here you did it. Did you have some guidance with that, Hope? You know, I did have a close group of, you know, close friends who I'm still very good friends with today. They actually came to my house for my birthday a couple months ago a really tight knit group of friends and my family who for the most part were very supportive in whatever decision I was going to make. I think at the time, you know, everybody matures at different time. I have, I have friends who had babies at 20 and 21 or, you know, got married and, 
and did all those things. But for me in my life, I knew that I wasn't ready to be a mom. And I knew that I wanted my son to come into this world still, but I just couldn't give him the life that he deserves. And in the moment, you know, being a woman in crisis and a crisis pregnancy, adoption and open adoption seemed like the best choice for me. And and that's what you did. And and that itself is, is such an amazing story because you really you developed a relationship with the family, with the mother who then did adopt your son. I did. So it's it's funny because I actually met her. Um, I saw her her adoption book for prospective adoptive parents. They most I would assume most. <laughs> but most of them create books to tell the story of what type of parents they're going to be. And I had been Googling, of course, what else do you do when you're trying to figure something out? You Google it. So I had been Googling all things adoption and adoption agencies and just, you know, everything I could find And her adoption book showed up on the side of Google, like an ad. And I clicked on it and, you know, I instantly saw it this is who I want to be when I grow up. Like, I, I want to be her. She seems so confident. And she, you know, she waited till later on in life to decide what she wanted to do with her life, right? And, and lived and tried all these different things. And I just, I, I saw her and just felt instantly connected. So, you know, I reached out to her, talked to her lawyers, and it turned out eventually I went out to visit her, to meet her. And, you know, I knew that if I couldn't, you know, raise him and and parent him, that I wanted her to do that. And, you know, she was a single mom and I just, I I really fell in love with her. And and so when I was, it was right on the 4th of July, I actually decided to go live with her. I still can't remember for the life of me who made the suggestion or who, you know, who made that initial let's do this but you know it was really wonderful I think that in some situations you know adoption professionals don't recommend that because what if you don't like the way they cook their eggs (laughs) or what if you don't like the temperature they keep their house or you know it can really cause friction and on the other side it can cause you know coercion and things like that but I think her and I just really had an understanding that I wanted her to be a part of the pregnancy. I wanted her to be able to go to doctor's appointments and do prenatal yoga and do hospital tours and do everything that, you know, she didn't necessarily get to do. So I lived with her for about two months and, you know, it was, it was great to get to know her. And still today, I mean, I, I look up to her so much and I really do consider her family and, um, so it was it's it's an interesting situation. <laughs> it's not the common one, but it's but it was it was what was right for us. What really strikes me about that is with her being so close to you even for a 2-month period and the baby in utero, I believe is getting that kind of vibe is experiencing the voice and potentially touch certainly all the visits there's just something on that deeper level that is already building with that infant oh absolutely and i and that was a big thing for me i wanted 
my son to know to know her because I knew well I've learned a lot since I've learned more since but I knew at the time you know he I'm the only one he knows he knows my voice he knows my heartbeat I I'm feeding him he's living it's you know I I'm all he knows and I really wanted her to be able to be around and for him to hear her voice and even the dog barking, right? Just little things like that. I just, I wanted her to experience that with me. And when I was in, back in Minnesota, I mean, I was hiding my pregnancy. And I think a lot of expectant moms, um, when they're making an adoption plan, it, there's a lot of shame and stigma around adoption for for expectant moms and, and then birth moms after they've placed. I mean, the stigma doesn't necessarily exist with, the uh, adoptive parents, but it does exist with the birth mothers. People are so grateful that we place our children because, you know, there are parents who want them, but there is a lot of shame that still surrounds being a birth mom. And I was nervous to go through that in small town Minnesota. And I was scared of what people would think. So I hid my pregnancy from all but my, you know, my close family and a couple friends. And so it was, I, I didn't want people to know. So it was nice going out to California and, and nobody knew me and I could just be and she celebrated me and her friends celebrated me and they didn't have to have an awkward conversation when somebody saw I was pregnant and said, what do you do? You know, it was, just, I was able to be free and just, and I just, I loved that experience because I couldn't, I knew that the shame would just be so hard to deal with. Yes. And I believe in the imprinting, those feelings that can really imprint that child in your womb. So here, when you have that that freedom and spirit and the sunshine, and you're really having such positive connections, again, is building something so wonderful within that baby. I could not agree more. And I will tell you, I had texted you know, my son's mom yesterday and said, I just thinking about you all and how are you doing? And every picture she sends me of him and, you know, he's just so happy. He is just a joyful, she called it a joyful soul. I mean, it's just, he's so happy and he's got a thirst for life and, you know, love. I feel like I did something right. And I know that you know, there is nature versus nature and she's parenting him and she's shaping him to be, you know, the person he is and allowing that space for him. But every time I see him and every time she tells me how he's doing, it just there, I get just like a beam of, you know, happiness and pride and just so proud of what, what I created. You know? right. and, and it's weird because there, there was years where I was so, living in that shame and I was just had agony about it. And, and I think in the last couple of years, everything has shifted and I'm now able to see it from a perspective of, you know, I, I created this life and, you know, he's, he's my son, but I, I was a woman in crisis and that's okay. There's nothing to be ashamed of. And look how happy he is in his life. Now I know he's going to have troubles, whether it's with the trauma of, being adopted or anything in life, but I just have such confidence that, you know, he'll feel comfortable enough to share them with his mom and someday with me and we'll work through it because we've created such an open, positive space. 
with him and, you know, with his mom, you know, his mom now and, and me, his birth mom. Exactly. Being so open about it. So it's not something that someone will say, oh, did you know you were adopted? You know, kids can sometimes do that out on the playground or whatever. It's not going to be that, you know, he grows up and then all of a sudden finds out then, oh, I adopted you. He he knows this right from the outset. So it's it, it must feel natural to a great degree for him. Yeah, and I think that that's, that's a good point to bring up because I in the previous stage of adoption, kids, a lot of kids didn't know. I mean, you hear stories, and in fact, one of my mom's high school friends, he had to get a blood transfusion when he was 17 years old, and that's how he found out he was adopted. Mm-hmm. And this kid always felt like something was wrong with him. And, you know, my mom's always shared with me how he really struggled because he felt like the odd one out and something just never felt right. And then he found out he was adopted. And I think, you know, there's this initial anger of why didn't you tell me? Mm-hmm. But the feeling my mom told me that he had was, this all makes sense now. I get it. I get why I don't feel like I fit in necessarily with my family because we don't have the same genetics. And there's nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But it was like all of a sudden he just got it. And all this pain that he struggled with, it made sense. And it wasn't his fault. Right. It wasn't something wrong with him. It's just the genetic map. The genetic mirroring was different. And I, you know, with our with my son, he'll never not know. And although I do still believe he may struggle at some day, you know, he 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 might be really angry at me someday or, you know, have all these hard questions. And I'm just grateful that because we're in an open adoption and because he already knows I'm his birth mom today. I mean, he's not even eight yet. And he knows that he came from my tummy. He knows that, you know, he has Hopi's family, you know, my mom, my dad, and all of that. He, he knows that. And I think the as the adoption world changes and as it evolves, and it already has a lot, and as we move into more open adoptions, there's going to be a healthier generation of adoptees because there's nothing worse than just not – knowing where you come from. And I'm not saying all adoptees want to meet their birth parents and have, you know, regular relationships with them, but it is so important to know where you came from. So, so important. And it can really cause just a lot of trauma and and terrible feelings for kids who are adopted, but they don't know their story. So I just, I'm, you know, constantly grateful that I was able to find somebody who I genuinely love so much who wanted that same path for, for our son and his story. Yes. It feels so healthy. Life of course brings with it just lots of kinds of challenges and detours and such, and they can cause traumas and we feel pain, but here you're doing all that you can to make this part of a of the actual journey as easy, filled with ease as it possibly can be so that, you know, that's not one of those big things he'll have to deal with. Uh, And maybe if if anything, it gives him even more strength, more foundation. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that, you know, he's going to have a deep level of awareness 
and not just for adoption, but just in general. Um, and I'm, I'm just, I used to be so nervous actually about when he grows up, is he going to, and I used to say that, like, think this all the time, is he going to hate me? And I used to mentally prepare for that. Okay. Someday he's going to be so angry at me. And I had somebody actually Liz Pryor, who is also a birth mom and she's an author as well. Um, she said something to me a couple of months ago when I, I spoke on this adoption series and she said, he, he you don't know if he's going to hate you. Like, you have no idea. He might never, you know, he's, you got to stop thinking about that negative point of view. Stop preparing yourself for hate when you're creating a whole situation of openness and of trust and mm. of love that, that may never, ever, ever cross his mind. And she just was very like, Oh, you got to stop thinking about that. Like, think about he's going to love you and you're going to have a great relationship, whatever that relationship looks like. And it was interesting because I've come from this such of what you say is, you know, your words matter and what you say out loud about yourself matters and, you know, manifesting and all these things. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> coming from a person who literally has, I mean, I'm looking at two vision boards on my walls and affirmation cards everywhere. Yet every single day I'm preparing myself for him to hate me. <laughs> what am I doing here? You're right. <laughs> like I gotta, I gotta shift that focus and, you know, be ready of course for anything, but he's not going to hate me. And that's the, that's what I need to start telling myself every day. He's not going to hate me. We're going to have an open relationship and we're going to work through whatever comes up. So it's, you know, it's a, it's an interesting shift that I, I just recently had in the last couple of months, but I, I really got to stop that phrase. <laughs> well, and you know, the thing is that just illustrates how our life is this perpetual journey and we're always learning, even when we feel like we've done these great things and you have Yet we find these little pitfalls and, okay, here's another area to to work on and to grow in. Totally. I think when we all look at different parts of our life, we're going to, you know, we can see so many flaws and we can see so many things we need to improve on. And one of, you know, I've, I've taken one challenge at a time. And sometimes, like you just said, I mean, I didn't even realize that that was causing me potential harm until somebody pointed it out. And I, that is one big thing that I've learned is just the, the listening, right? Actively listening to what people are saying and the advice that they're giving. You don't have to always take the advice, but know that, you know, when, when people give you advice and especially people who are experienced what you've experienced, listen to their, what they're saying because that can make a huge impact in our lives. And, and thank, you know, thank God I listened to Liz that day because I do feel more comfortable in, you know, my, in the adoption world that I'm in now, I do feel a bit more safe. That's, that, to be honest, that's the word that's coming to my mind is I feel safe um, and hopeful for those days when those, those conversations happen and questions arise. I feel more safe and comfortable now than I did two months ago. Isn't that great? That it just illustrates again, that constant growing and, and, um, what, just becoming stronger and more confident in who we are. Yeah, yeah. agreed. I think with uh, a lot of things with time, you know, strength and confidence comes and putting the work in. I mean, I tell you, I, I'm in, I go to therapy weekly, Kelly therapy. I have affirmation cards, like I mentioned. I try to read 
you know, a book or two a week while I listen to them on Audible. And I really try to just feed my soul and, and to heal from anything that's coming up, whether it's feeling things at work or, you know, strains with my mom, or maybe I, you know, I've recently started dating again. And that <laughs> brings its own, its own challenges. So I'm constantly trying to take a step back and say, okay, what can I do right now to try to, you know, mediate the feelings I'm having? Is this, you know, are these feelings coming up from my past? And I'm more applying past situations to what's happening now, and I don't need to be doing that? Or, you know, what is my body telling me? Am I uncomfortable in this situation? Do I need to remove myself? I think as, you know, the older I've got, and I'm still, I mean, I'm still young, but the the years I've I've gone through just struggle and trauma and, and ignoring it, right? We we all ignore our problems. And I really tried to say, listen, if I want to be strong, if I want to grow, if I want to continue to be a confident person and and do all these things, like I have to constantly take a step back and look at the choices, decisions, feelings I'm having. And sometimes, you know, when I do that, I realize, all right, I might need another therapy session this week. Cause I got to talk through these things that I just can't, I can't sort out and I need, you know, an unbiased person to listen, right. Someone removed from the situation. Um, so I think, you know, I want to keep growing and I want to keep getting more confident in in different situations and in different aspects of life. And I, I really try every day to make choices that are going to push me forward rather than take me back. And, that's not to say I don't take a step back a lot because I do, you know, I'll see, you know, like for example, this is us, the TV show that everybody loves, Mm -hmm. you know, those, when I sit down to watch the most recent episodes, I mean, talk about a trigger. And I know, I now know, and I have enough self-awareness that if I'm going to watch an episode, especially, you know, the birth, the, the birth episode of the expectant mom, who's now the birth mom, you know, that was extremely debilitating and left me in a very weird place for a couple of days. So I now know, though, if I am going to be around a trigger, I know how to prepare myself, right? I've just gotten so self-aware of what my body's going to need for different situations and scenarios. All of this is so beautiful, uh, not the least of which is what you're just saying about this growing self-awareness, which is needing it has to be a part of us for our entire life uh, yet again though just being so conscious of it you know many of us can uh go through a lot of our life not even considering that but boy that's a very powerful place to be and, and totally and i think you know i talk to people all the time and they're asking me for advice and and that's sometimes my you know a lot of times my first thing i say is You know, you need to be more aware of what your body's trying to tell you, what your, you know, your actions, your words, like what are they trying to tell you? What's going on? We have to become more self-aware. And I think about, you know, for anybody who's read the book or is going to read the book, I mean, there is dark times. I wasn't the Hope Baker I am today five years ago. My gosh. I mean, I was a mess and I was struggling with addiction and I was hiding you know, with with addiction and my pain and trying to figure out how the heck to go on when my child exists in a world completely separate from me. You know, I have a son who lives 
in this world, yet he's not in the world. He's not in my world. We're in completely separate worlds. And it is just, it's, it's debilitating. And, you know, five years ago, I was drowning in that. And I wasn't self-aware. And I wasn't saying good things to myself. And I wasn't, you know, putting, trying to put a healing foot forward because it, it doesn't happen overnight, right? So, you know, I think that a lot of times people say to me, gosh, you've got it so together. And I just have to say, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is like hours and hours and hours and, you know, days and weeks of just hard work of really diving to where are my issues stemming from? Because I didn't, my issues don't stem from just placing my son, right? We all have childhoods and things in our life that bring us down and our, and our bodies will remember that. And it's much like you said about, you know, the baby being in utero and understanding those feelings and voices and emotions. It's the same for us. I mean, I, I've now identified situations from when I was a kid that caused trauma later on in life. And when I really dove down and start, started to really look at, you know, these experiences, I was able to say, okay, whoa, I need to take a step back. I need to go back to these childhood moments and I need to process them. And I need to heal from those before I can really heal in my current situations, right? There's just, we don't always think about that. We don't always think about something that happened 20 years ago, 30, 40 years ago is something that could still be affecting our life today, but it does. I mean, it, it really does. And there's a great book called The Body Keeps Score that was super transformative for me to read. And it really caused me to really dive back into those younger years. And, you know, I had to have, I had to have really hard conversations with my mom about, you know, points in my childhood and about, you know, just different things growing up and, you know, get all the details and figure out how to heal from that. And how wonderful is that, really? I mean, it's not wonderful going through pain and, and trauma, but to be able to identify and to heal it and to be moving forward and becoming stronger, isn't that just so empowering? It is empowering. And I, you know, I think that's a big reason I wanted to write my book and you know, I've already had sights on a second book because everything I've learned from my first book, I mean, you know, it's just the whole, the world opened up after I wrote that. And I started to be able to have conversations with really, really, you know, thought provoking people like yourself, right? Like, and I just, when, when you get asked questions all the time that you've, you haven't been asked, you haven't thought about, it really starts to open up the perspective. And I, and I do you know, want to keep continuing to share my story. And, you know, when, when you read my book now, I mean, I was living a completely different life than I am today. I mean, I was engaged. I had stepkids. I was, you know, thinking about having another baby with my fiance. And when COVID hit, I mean, I left my fiance, which was a whole trauma in itself that I, I you know, <laughs> working through still today, a year later, but I left that entire life. And, now I'm living in Minnesota and, you know, it just, it's back home and it's also different. And I, I think because of these changes and because I've really spent this last year being by myself well, with my puppy too, but in just trying to figure out, you know, who am I by myself? Like who, I've grown so much in the last couple of years, but that's been with somebody, right? But who am I by myself and what are, you know, who, just who am I? And trying to find my voice and, 
and all these different, you know, things about myself all over again. And it really feels like I'm, you know, I got to know hope again. And I got to know hope, just hope, not, you know, the engaged hope or the stepmom or, you know, anything. Just who am I today and who do I want to be and, and what path do I want to go down? And I think that's caused a lot of, you know, thoughts and emotions. And I want to continue sharing that with the world. I mean, I, you know, writing a book about the most intimate details of your life is, is a challenge in itself. But once you've done it, I mean... <laughs> Guys, the limit. There's things in that book that I, I did call the publishers and I said, hey, do you think we can take this out um, the week before? Because I was like, this is a little, I'm nervous to share this. What if my boss reads it? What if, you know, it, you know, whatever. It just was nerve wracking. And now that I've done that, I'm like, you know what? I can keep sharing this because the feedback I've got from that book is that it's helped a lot of people. And that is the goal at the end of the day. It's how, how do I help people and how do I help them be empowered and find their confidence and find their voice. And whether you're in the adoption world or not, I mean, we all need to find hope. Like we all need to find our voice. And you are helping us to do that and to find what our purpose is in the world. So this book, Finding Hope, A Birth Mother's Journey Into the Light, is just so phenomenal. Available anywhere we like to shop for books, right, Hope? It is. It's available anywhere online. So Target, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Amazon, of course. And it's also, you can get the audio version, which I read it. And I mean, it's, it's, it's emotional when you're listening to it. I mean, there's points where I cried and I didn't want to not cry because that's what I was feeling. So the audio book is great too. And you have a website which has such a wealth of wonderful, interesting information. And your website is... It is hopeobaker.com. A lot of good information there. You can also follow me on Instagram at hopeobaker. And I'm really dynamic all over the place. I share my birth mother's story, you know, being a puppy mom, a new homeowner, trying to navigate the business world. So really a a plethora of different paths. (laughs) Really wonderful and interesting paths. And you are truly such an inspiration, Hope. I really appreciate that you've taken time with us this morning and look forward to a second book and a next conversation potentially. Absolutely, Kate. Thank you so much for having me on. And I really hope we get to chat again soon. Absolutely. And with that, we're at the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Hope Baker and Sunday Morning Magazine with Mamie Canfer-Stewart. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast. It's on our Warm 106.9 webpage. Simply click on the podcast tab, then either of the show names, then look for the guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of feeling grateful, optimistic, and motivated about life and have a week of the same. And then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.